0: back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. But before we get started, a word from our sponsor. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about breaking free from culture to find our true identity in Christ. You know, in our culture today, it's so easy to get lost in all of the hustle and bustle of busyness, social media, comparison, and everything else that's vying for our attention. It's so easy to get caught in the trap of seeking our worth identity, and significance in the things of this world. And it's a dangerous cycle to look in these places to try to find our security and approval. Well, this cycle of finding our self-worth in the wrong places can have a domino effect on all areas of our lives and lead to pain, regret, shame, and feeling hopeless. But there is hope. There's always hope when we know exactly where to find our true worth and security, and that is in Christ. Our guests today, Brittany Mayer and Cassandra Spear, Co-authors of the book, Her True Worth, Breaking Free from a Culture of Selfies, Side Hustles, and People-Pleasing to Embrace Your True Identity in Christ, are here to share with us why this topic is so important and how it can help us break free from the traps the enemy sets to distort our true worth. Well, Brittany Mayer is compelled by love to empower women to simplify their identity based on one thing alone, Jesus. She is the founder of Her True Worth, a large and growing online community designed to liberate an entire generation of faith-filled women with the freedom found in discovering their true worth in Christ. She is also an evangelist with a burning heart for the broken and lost. She and her husband, Ryan, invest most of their time in equipping and empowering God's people for digital evangelism across the globe. They believe in the importance of using every tool they can to help bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Brittany is planted in Michigan with her husband, Ryan, and their daughter, Ariana. And Cassandra Spear, Our other guest is a popular Christian blogger whose heart is driven by the desire to see women discover the depth of God's love in a superficial world through the power of his word. She is vice president of Her True Worth, a ministry created to encourage wounded and wandering women to find their identity and validation in Christ alone. Cassandra is passionate about sharing her faith and tackling the raw and messy moments of life with a little bit of humor and a whole lot of Jesus. She is also the proud wife of an Air Force veteran. Cassandra and her husband are planted in Oklahoma City where they live with their three children. Please welcome Brittany and Cassandra.
1: Hello, I'm so happy to be here. This is Britt, so you know my voice. Um, thank you so much, Ellen, for having us.
0: Absolutely.
2: Hi, this is Cass's voice. It's a privilege to be here with y'all.
0: Oh, Thank you both so much for joining us today on a topic that is just so desperately needed in our culture. So why don't you guys just start out by telling us a little bit about the Her Truth Worth community. So, yeah. how did it get started and who's there and what are you guys talking about?
1: Yeah. So, um, I founded Her True Worth, um, the Instagram page, um, back in 2016. Um, and I mainly just, I was dealing with, you know, not knowing my worth and just dealing with identity issues when I started it. And, My husband was doing a lot of digital evangelism at the time, and it just really um, kind of impacted me and and gave me um, just a sense of being able to use this tool to help other people with the same struggle. So um, I founded the page and kind of just did it on my own for a while. Um, And then I met Cass back in, gosh, Cass, what year was this? 2008. I think it was 2018. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of came across her profile on the popular page, which was back when that was curated a different way than it is now. Um, God just really, you know, he led me to her and I had been praying, you know, I I knew that this was something I wanted to do with someone else, like as a partnership, um, Mm -hmm. And so Cass and I met and ironically enough she lived in she lives in Oklahoma City which is where my husband um actually travels for work often. He oh. works for um Life Church. Yeah. So that was just kind of a cool little god wink um and yeah, just just having her involved in in seeing the impact has just been incredible. Um, And so our, to answer your question, so our community is a, is a diverse group of women, primarily ages 18 to 44. Um, Mainly they're located just from all over the world, to be honest. Um, On Instagram, we have over 1.6 million um, hearts and lives that we get to steward on a day-to-day basis, which is just amazing in of itself. God has really, truly blessed us. Um, and given us much to steward. Um, and we, you know, as the, even the, the name of the ministry, Her True Worth, we focus around that central message of finding our worth and our value in Christ and not in the world. Um, and we're, we're passionate about helping women primarily live from their worth and not for it because her and I have lived for our worth for many years. And sometimes we still do. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is an ongoing, just process of being able to minister to these people, because these are
0: things that we struggle with, too. So thank you for sharing that. Cass, did you want to add anything?
2: Britt hit it out of the park. I mean, I echo everything Brittany said, we met in 2018, and she was cultivating the community and stewarding it as an individual, so faithfully, and it grew, and it's just been so wonderful and a privilege to be able to be a part of what God's doing through Her True Worth, and the impact that these daily devotionals and encouragement uh, have on the women in our community has just been mind-blowing. It continues to surprise me day after day, and I am constantly in awe of just reading all of the dms and Mm
0: -hmm. hearing
2: people's stories about how god met them you know god's faithful to meet us where we're at and that's social media is not um social media is not an exception to that and so i'm really grateful to be a part of it
0: yes it truly is you know having a similar platform it it is you know so it, it seems like it can be a blessing and a curse right but at the same time we are actually meeting people where they're at and i i do believe that god uses that in a mighty way well at the beginning of the book we're asked to consider this question if god were to take away the thing i identify with tomorrow how would it affect me so would my world fall apart And how do the women of your community answer that? What are the ways they identify? Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a Resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT podcast, that's CBT podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Do you want to
1: start with this one?
2: Yeah, of course. So, First and foremost, I just want to acknowledge what Britt said earlier. We have such a diverse group of women from literally all over the world. And we have a demographic of women from anywhere from 18 to 44. So we've got women who are just leaving the house for the first time and going to college. We've got women who just finished their degrees and they're trying to figure out what their life looks like. We have new moms. We have empty nesters who just watched their kids walk across the stage, you know, in watching their kids go to college. So I think this is a very wide response, but I'm going to be as direct as I can be, is that the women say things along the lines of my roles, my responsibility. If someone was to take away my relationship. If someone was to take away the size of my genes, if it increased, or if my health was deteriorating, if my marriage falls apart, my life might fall apart. If I fail my courses or I flunk out of school, my life might fall apart. If my job is gone, my life might fall apart. All of those things are valid, but wildly different from each other. And they are all sourced out of one particular thing. And that's finding your worth in anything
1: that isn't Christ. Mm. And those things they pass away. You know, and scripture tells us that everything tangible here on earth it passes away. Mm-hmm. But we put our worth in those things I think because of the tangible aspect of it that it is easy to place your worth in for me my pant size, right? My my looks, my in What's going to happen when I don't have those things or where I'm, I'm not where I want to be. And it's a, a never ending quest if I'm continuing to put my worth in those things. And so it's into on the flip side of that, it's an invitation to be able to seek God deeper in that for me, because then I can, I can kind of weigh both of them and say like, you know what, God, you you call me worthy and loved, no matter what my size is, no matter where I'm failing, no matter how I'm performing as a mother, or whatever it is, you still say that I'm loved and worthy, despite those things.
0: You know, that's such a powerful, but yet but simple question that we can ask ourselves. And I do love how you talked about that in the chapter. To ask ourselves if God were to take away the thing I identify with tomorrow, how would it affect me? and I think we might really surprise ourselves when we ask ourselves that, and it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in I mean even i'm um, i'm I'm older than you guys, and I can ask myself the same very same question, and so it's important that we recognize and ask ourselves that so that we can try to get to the root and see that christ is so much more Mm -hmm. well would would many women in the her true worth community describe themselves as people pleasers it kind of seems to tie into this whole self-worth thing and how do women fall into that trap
1: I, my personal opinion, I think there's a surprisingly decent amount of women who fall into the trap of people-pleasing. And I think often we think that people-pleasing looks the same for everyone, but it, it doesn't, you know, women in particular, I feel fall into this trap because society tells us to look perfect, play the part, have the perfect home the most well-behaved children, and maybe then you'll be considered valuable, but, you know, don't have too strong of an opinion. Don't be too loud. Don't do too much of this. It's just so noisy, you know, and it's a lie and it's a trick from the devil to get us geared towards striving for our worth. And I, you know, I was sharing with you, Ellen, that we just did that focus on the family retreat and something that they pointed out is sometimes we go to earn it mode where we feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling loved by the father because I'm not spending time with him or I might be distracted. And then I might gear towards trying to earn my worth or trying to earn love and we can't do that, you know, and, and like I said earlier, it's a never ending quest to try to look for those things and earn it when God already says I sent my son because I love you and rest in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is something I know I I fall into that as well, people are, people pleasers. I think some personality types gravitate to that even more. You are <laughs> I'm <definitely>, so right. <laughs> I definitely more and honestly like I have a a son who's like, he's just completely the opposite. Like, he doesn't care what people think about him, right? There's like this range of of whatever it is that you can be. But I think for those of us that are people pleasers, it can be especially (laughs) challenging. Well, both of you describe yourself as affirmation addicts. When does healthy affirmation tip over into unhealthy?
1: Yes, why do not you take this one? You're, I, gonna, I just unmuted. Yes. She wrote. She wrote this part of the chapter, so it's it's a big one. <laughs> oh, you
2: give me too much credit. You helped with it. It's yes,
1: so- I loved your four <laughs> characteristics, though, of healthy affirmation. So we should dive into Thank that. You. We can edit it (laughs) now. sorry.
2: To answer your question, how do we, how does, how can we tell when our need for healthy affirmation, which is God given by the way, is veering into dangerous ground of affirmation addiction. I think the first and foremost important thing to discuss is what affirmation is. And affirmation is when we're looking and seeking for the approval and acceptance and validation. And to be affirmed is actually quite positive. It's such a good thing. But as with most things on this side of heaven, good things can easily be mistaken for God things. And we can make idols out of the approval, validation, and acceptance of others. When we are actually created in God's intricate design for us to long for affirmation and acceptance, first and foremost, from the approval we already received through Christ on the cross, through God himself. And so whenever we are looking to others to affirm us before before God, not it's not a problem until it becomes our go-to. So that's the first thing. The other thing I'm going to say specifically about affirmation addiction and how to understand when things are veering towards a dangerous ground is the opposite of affirmation is rejection. So if you are living your life to avoid rejection, I just want to speak to you right now and let you know that Jesus God incarnate could not avoid rejection, so much so that he was rejection incarnate. like He Mm -hmm. was put upon the cross for all of our sin and shame that he bore for us. We rejected him. If the perfect Messiah cannot outrun rejection, what hope do we have? to outrun rejection. God actually promises us that we will run into hate and heartache in this world, but fear not because he has overcome the world. And so it's really important for us, especially affirmation addicts recovering, like Britt and I, and probably some of y'all, it's important for us to recognize that the opposite of affirmation is rejection. And if our worth and our value as a person rises and falls with the approval, acceptance, and validation of others, instead of being steadfast in God, we are in dangerous ground and we might be dealing with an affirmation addiction.
0: So what steps can people take then to kind of control this addiction?
2: Yeah, so we have in our book, like Britt just alluded to, is that we have the four characteristics of healthy affirmation. So the first one is that, as I've already discussed, healthy affirmation begins with God. So we need to seek God first, the affirmation, approval, and exception, acceptance that we receive through Christ on the cross because it cannot be earned. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that we need to recognize is that we can't earn our worth. We need to live our lives from a place of being secure, knowing that our worth and value comes from Christ alone. So it's already been, acceptance has already been given to us through Christ Mm -hmm. on the cross. We can't earn it and it can't be revoked. That's the first thing. The second thing is that healthy affirmation cannot be deterred by rejection. So as we've discussed, the opposite of affirmation is rejection. Rejection hurts. Like I'm not gonna try to act like you shouldn't feel pain when someone rejects you or misunderstands you or assigns motives that you didn't intend. Rejection is gonna happen, but we have to remember that if we're going to live life as if everything is unto the Lord, the rejection of man cannot deter us, it can sting, it might re- redirect us, but we cannot allow it the authority to destroy us. That's the second thing to do. The third thing is that we have to remember that healthy affirmation practices relational equity. Relational equity is a phrase that I learned from one of my dear friends, our dear friend, Tony Collier, who's the founder of Broken Crayon, Still Color. And the concept of relational equity is that <laughs> Brit and I talk about this all the time and we include it in the book, but I deal with people pleasing and affirmation addiction too, in a different way. I'm not afraid to tell people no, but where I struggle is if someone has input in my life and I don't agree with it, I have a hard time with conflict.
1: Hmm.
2: And so relational equity says That if you don't share my consequence, if you're not willing to bear my burdens with me, then your say is actually not weighed into my decisions at all. Simply put, no consequence, no say. If you're not bearing burdens with me, if you're not doing life with me, then you don't get to have a say-so in my life. And that's not to say that we're above reproach and that we shouldn't care what people think because... I actually think that just because Jesus warns us that the world will hate us doesn't give us license to be hateful. It doesn't give us space to be difficult when we are called to lay down our lives and love people well. We can stand for our beliefs without standing on top of others. Mm. And so relational equity is saying, hey, I see you, I hear you, but I'm going to weigh your input in my life Against the time that you spent in it and the authority that you have in it, because if you can't bear my burdens with me, then I don't have to live for your acceptance or approval and I don't have to weigh in your say so into my life. So relational equity is another way that we can overcome affirmation addiction because, especially in a social media saturated world, we have so much instant access to so many people with so many opinions. And I'm sure a ton of them are super wise, but if we don't guard our hearts and set ourselves in a position where we are accepting only wise counsel, we're putting ourselves in a position where we're allowing people to speak into and over our lives that have not earned that authority. So that's the third one. And the fourth and final thing is that we have to be willing to be misunderstood. Healthy affirmation says, it's okay if you don't understand me. It's okay if you don't like me. I don't have to live for your acceptance. And so we have to give ourselves permission to be misunderstood. There's going to be times for me personally, and I know Brittany's walked through this as a recovering affirmation addict, is that it just really drives me crazy when I've tried so hard and I've worked so hard, I've communicated so clearly, and I've been so considerate and prayerful, and someone just still does not like me, still does not accept me, still didn't invite me. And the bottom line is healthy affirmation says, I'm willing to be misunderstood, it's okay if they don't like me, it's okay. I give myself permission to listen to the voice of God above all others. And the word of God has the authority over my life, over the opinions of others. And I hereby grant myself permission to live life misunderstood. Because healthy affirmation is someone who does not die at the idea of rejection and misunderstanding.
0: That makes so much sense. And that's so freeing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. She's like, she's like preaching to me.
1: (laughs) We've, you know, been in this book, writing it, and I'm like, Oh, my goodness, Cass, so good. Thank you for sharing that.
0: You know, doesn't it seem like there's also a tie to your, your how you feel your worth is and jealousy? Because I feel like, As you grow more confident in your, your identity in Christ, the level of jealousy that you might have kind of starts to wane and you see that that's not so important. Yeah,
1: it's freeing, you know, and it's I think sometimes (laughs) you could have a teddy bear that you love very much, but not realize it's small until you see someone else's is bigger. And I think it's, I love, Cass, what you said about how it's so wise to guard your heart from those things and guarding your heart from comparison and, you know, searching for their acceptance and being willing to just live in the fact that God, God accepts you. Absolutely. I
2: mean, I, I struggle with that too. And I think that there's a lot of like Brittany said, there's a lot of freedom when you realize that you can care about people and you can care about what they think of you or what their opinions are, but ultimately God's word and God's opinion and what God says of you matters most Mm -hmm. and who God is, his opinion, His righteousness, his glory is what matters most.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the power of the enemy and how he tries to distort a person's worth. Can you share with us like some scripture passages that you find particularly helpful when Satan is at work in your life? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I will say for me, a script, just a scripture that I always cling to and go back to when I feel that I might be believing a lie or there's, you know, something distorted. There is Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, you know, me, you know, when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know, Lord, you know it, Lord, completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. And the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the light of the day, for darkness is as light to you. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, including creating me. I know that full well. That is a scripture that I continuously recite to myself because it's truth
0: yes that's so beautiful that that is definitely a one of a favorite of mine as well yeah. I would recommend to our anyone listening to that's a great psalm to at least memorize some of the verses in there if you can memorize yeah. the whole thing that's something that you can always fall back on when you're feeling challenged in that area. Well, how does the story of the prodigal son give insight into how God sees our worth?
1: I love this story. It's, it's one of my favorites in the gospels because, you know, one of my favorite parts about the story is when the son returns I think it's important to remember that God actually was looking for, or I'm not, I'm sorry, not God, the father in the story was looking for his son upon his return. So he didn't just come back and land on the doorstep. His father was actually already looking for him. And it invites us to see God. Is that as that God who doesn't sit back with his arms crossed and mad at us because we wandered away, but he rather looks at us with love and compassion. And for me, it's, I've wandered a lot in my life and my walk with God, and to know that he just, he loves me and his invitation is always open it never expires, that more than anything makes me want to stay home. It makes me want to stay with him, stay in his arms, and not be distracted or pulled away from anything else.
0: Yes, that is a beautiful story in the Bible, and one that um, has so many insights on so many different levels. But And I love, though, how you said that God's not sitting there with his arms crossed and um, angry with us. Well, are there stories or revelations in your book, Her True Worth, about you or your lives that might surprise your community?
1: You want to guess?
2: Cass? I've never been asked that before. I was just like thinking at myself, like, I wonder what, gosh, that's so... Oh, man, what a good question, because there's so many in there. Um, (laughs) There's, I mean, goodness. I think one of the stories about my personal life that might surprise our community is that I was a hair and makeup artist for over a decade. I was a color specialist. I did lifting color and balayage back when ombre was a thing. So, Balayage was basic, very rare at that point in time, Um, and I got fired from my job when I was 21, and it was at this uh, bougie, really fancy, snazzy, upscale salon, and I thought it was my dream job, and I talked about, like, the experience of being fired and I remember there was a specific part of that story that I literally sobbed when I wrote it because it was so tender and I hadn't thought about it since I was 21 Mm -hmm. and I just turned 33 so it's been a hot minute since this happened but Mm -hmm. I think it's relatable um not just for our community but really just for anybody who's ever been fired or has ever dealt with the loss of financial security I mean it was just an awful experience but The story was about like the click, clack, clickety clacks of my boss's high heels on the cement and how every day, you know, our body, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, but our bodies kind of give us warning signs that something's not right. And I remember when I was working at this amazing, gorgeous salon that every time I would hear my boss's click, clack, click, clacks. Of her high heels on this pavement i would like get really anxious and my heart would start beating fast and I'd be really nervous which should have been an indication that like maybe i shouldn't be here like maybe this isn't the best environment for me but when i lost my job she had picked up all of my belongings and put it in this giant trash bag and she left it on my station all day and i didn't know it so all my co-workers and all of our clients saw this and I didn't know it because I was across the way at their boutique and spa because there's a salon, boutique and spa. So there's three different buildings. And at the end of the day, she said, Cass, I need to talk to you. And she clicked, clicked, clickety clicked all the way to the other building where I saw my station with this giant hefty bag, trash bag with all of my belongings. And she let me know that she was letting me go and I remember looking at that trash bag. And in that moment, one of the biggest fears I had was that I was worthless, that I was trash, just like Mm. that bag on that station. And uh, that was a really huge turning point in my life. Um, I dealt with couch surfing and essentially being homeless at that point. I couldn't go home. Like there was just a lot of parts of that story that I don't talk about a ton publicly that I think would really surprise people. But there's a lot of hope there because although I experienced harsh rejection and loss of income and security, I rediscovered what God really had for me. And I also learned that we don't stay in spaces just because they're comfortable or convenient. Hmm. And we need to pay attention to the prompting of the holy spirit and pay attention to our body's cues and things like that
0: yeah yeah absolutely and you know it's i think it's these authentic stories that you do share that just make people feel that you're so relatable and so i just really want to applaud you for that and your just your openness and genuine nature that you The way you share in your book, you know, and I can relate to that. Nothing makes you feel more worthless than being fired, right? You're like, oh,
1: (laughs) the worst.
0: Oh, it's terrible. Oh my goodness. Well, what are some daily habits that women can implement to renew their minds?
1: Um, I would say, you know, first and foremost, being in God's word, um, and, and pick some scriptures, pick out some scriptures that really speak to you and resonate with your heart at that moment. You know, if it helps post them around your house, on your mirror, I do that. You know, if I'm like right now, I'm trying to, you know, pursue fitness and, and kind of get back into shape after having a baby. Um, And so I'm, I'm posting scriptures to remind myself of the why, you know, not, not for body image, but to take care of the body that God gave me. Um, And like I said, I, I can't stress this enough. It is so important to be in God's word. And if you're not, you will feel very dehydrated without it. And also, when you're in God's word, you're able to dispel the lies that the enemy is always speaking to you. Um, And we actually give an excellent example and framework in our book on how to replace lies with God's truth. It's called the Freedom Framework. And essentially we walk you through how to identify the lie, how you act on the lie in your life, how it affects your life, the wound that it leaves. And sometimes when you write this out, like we, we really prompt readers to actually journal this because it helps to write it out, see it on a page, get that stuff out, right? When you write it out, you'll notice it'll go back and forth from bottom to top, top to bottom. It's a cycle. And it's also amazing to be able to see These are the lies that I'm believing and to be curious about where that lie started, where it's rooted in, and to ask yourself, what is the truth here? What is God's truth? What does his word say in direct correlation to this lie? And how can I act on the truth? How will the truth affect my life if I live in this truth rather than living in that lie? And then what is the healing that I want to experience through Christ? So it's, like I said, a, just an excellent tool to be able to literally replace the lie with God's truth. And, you know, the lie could be as simple as you are inadequate or you are unlovable. It could be something so so small as you're, you're fat or you're not beautiful or, you know, whatever it is that whatever lies you're believing right now, and I'm only saying those, those lies, cause that's, those are ones I often come back to. Um, but to be curious about what, what is that? Where is that coming from? Where's that thought coming from? And, and how do I speak God's truth in it? So this is just an excellent framework to be able to do that.
0: Mm, absolutely. You know, it seems to me, too, that um, I think one thing that I think is so great about having other Christian friends or family, like my two daughters, they hold me accountable. Like, if you sometimes you'll say things out loud, like, oh, like, I'm so stupid, or why did I do that? Or like, and and having someone say, you know what, don't talk to yourself like that. Like, that's, that does is not building you up. But I love your suggestion of getting back into the scripture and renewing our minds that way. And well, you know, finding our true worth can be so foundational from the time that we're children. How can mothers help their children right from the get go find their true worth?
2: I think as a mom of three that although i didn't necessarily grow up in a christian home and i didn't have a model for what this looks like um for us for me and my family i think that what we're finding is that a mother who truly finds their confidence in christ and models it before their children teaches their children to do the same so where the mother finds her worth and value her children will also look in those same places for worth and value. Where a mother finds her sense of truth, her children will also look in that same place for truth. And so I think that if you're wanting to raise children who truly understand their worth and value in Christ, we as the parents need to model that to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks like something as simple as a not so quiet time, in other times, it looks like quoting scripture out loud. I quite often will say the fruits of the spirit out loud, um, just to kind of, and every time I do it, my children will look, and they can tell that maybe one of us is lacking one of those fruits. And we kind of reflect, and we pause on that, and that's, that's what's working in our home. I'm definitely not a parenting expert, but I think that that's a way that we can model that to our children because we sh- show our children the way that they should go. And we mm-hmm. have to be able to go that way for ourselves in order to model it.
1: I think it's important. That's so good. I echo everything that you said, Cass. And I, to add to that, I think it's really important to remember that we are not Jesus for our children that there is a savior that and and god loves our children infinitely more than we're capable of loving them. That is a truth that has been so hard for me to wrap my brain around having a child because I'm very protective over her. Um I worry about her health like I, you know, and it's it's been a fathering moment for me and it's been a it's been an amazing revelation to be able to realize that God loves her more than I do. And because of that, he protects
0: her more than I can. And so I can rest in that. Yes. You know, what comes to my mind is the verse um, that talks about how, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but God Mm -hmm. looks at the heart and just trying to build that into your children and helping them understand that the world's going to look at you from an outward perspective over and judge you and all these different things, but God looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're about to wrap up here. Um, If you had one thing that you wanted to really communicate to the people reading this book, um. a takeaway, what would you say that would be?
1: That's a great question. I, the biggest takeaway for me to the woman reading this book would be that you would put this book down and pick up the word and just spend time with Jesus and, and really know him for yourself. Because I could tell you all day long that you're loved and worthy but it's another thing to believe it and to hear those words directly from him. Absolutely.
2: I would echo what Britt said. And I would say not everything in the Bible is about you, but everything in the Bible was written to point you to God. Uh, The universe doesn't revolve around us, but the same hands that created the universe carefully and intricately formed you, and you're created by God and in God's image, and even your weakness points to his glory and strength, and to embrace those places that you feel inadequate and weak and uncertain, because when you can bring those things to God, you're able to find adequacy, you're able to find security, and you're able to find worth because it's in him and it was never up to you
0: Mm, That's beautiful well how can people find out more information about both of you and your book and your ministries
1: um well i mean if you don't already follow her true worth we are on instagram and facebook um my personal Instagram, if you want to know more about me, I live a rather discreet life on social media, ironically. Um, but if you're interested, my personal handle is just at Britt Mare. Um, so my name, but people call me Brit. So you can, it's just Britt Mare. Um, but like I said, we have Instagram and Facebook. Um, we do post on Pinterest and we're currently working on our website um, and hoping to pump out some monthly devotionals there. Um, so stay tuned on that. Awesome. And my
2: personal one is Cassandra L. Spear, spelled S-P-E-E-R. And
0: uh, as Brittany said, we're online. We're in the socials. <laughs> Well, we will put all the links for yourselves and the ministry and your book all in our show notes. Before we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions. What Bible do you use and which translation is it?
1: So my Bible... Girl, I listen. I love you, version. Don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing that they use technology for people to be able to read the word, have it, you know, on their phone that's always in your pocket. I always go back to a regular physical Bible, though. I just, I love having a physical Bible. Um, the translation that I use is English Standard Version, so ESV. Awesome
2: i'm like Britt. i love the the bible app the U version uh i love the audio specifically especially as a mom i'm able to listen to scripture daily but my primary bible that i study in is a she reads truth bible and it is a christian standard bible csb and it is the best
0: awesome All right. Do you guys have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience?
2: So I use, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Enduring Word, but it's an app, but you can also use it on desktop. It's a commentary resource. And so I like to use that a lot um, when I am studying scripture to be able to not only understand who wrote the scripture I'm reading, when it was wrote, to whom it was wrote, and what the intent was, but to be able to go further and deeper with commentary from theologians who have been studying it and have a different perspective.
1: Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah, I I need to know that app. I was just gonna <laughs> say I just use a normal notepad or my notes app on my phone. My notes app is full of all sorts of stuff that God, God is teaching me. Um and sometimes I'll even speak into it because I love Cass. You said the audio Bible. I should have added that too. Cause as a mom, it's easier to just have the Bible read to you. Um But yeah, I I also will speak into the notes app if I just hear like a little revelation or I'm trying to journal something that I'm learning in the word and I'll just kind of speak it in there.
0: Ooh, that's a great tip. Okay. yeah. So lastly, um, I know you've mentioned a couple apps here. Any other favorite apps or website uh, that you guys like for Bible study tools?
1: I like Blue Letter Bible. That's a good one. Um, Just to kind of break down... Each word um, and version. I know I mentioned that one earlier. They have some great Bible plans on there too. Actually, our book, um, there's a Her True Worth Bible plan on the Uversion app um, if anybody was interested in reading that. So they do have some great Bible plans. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah.
2: There are two resources that I regularly utilize and learn from. And it's weird to talk about people as though they are resources, but they're teachers. Um, One is Jennifer Lucy Tyler. Uh, She's just an incredible inductive Bible study resource. I love learning from her. And I also really enjoy, there's a devotional that I utilize, but she's also online. And it's, again, more of an inductive, I think that's how you say it, right? Yes. I felt like, I was like, that word feels weird coming out of my mouth. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but true. do you, Brittany knows who this is, Carrie from True and Lovely Co. Mm-hmm. So uh, she breaks down this, I wish I had it in front of me, but oh, I don't, but it's such a good book. Wait a minute, do I have it? No, I don't, but it's so great because she's online. She does the same things that she does on the book, but she breaks down scripture from context, historical context, the scripture context, like who wrote it, why audience. And then she gives us even further. She has us look into the scripture itself and then utilize all of that information we had just learned and then apply it practically. And so I love True and Lovely Co., and Jennifer
0: Lucy. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Well, we will put links to both of those in the show notes. Brittany and Cass, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing your book and all your insights that can really help so many people and point them in the right direction to finding their true worth. So we appreciate you guys so much. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Brittany and Cass's book, Her True Worth. You can find the link in our show notes. Also, be sure to head over to our blog where you can share your comments with us on this podcast. I'd like to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. We also have two courses available on how to pray using our prayer journal and prayer binder. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We love you all. Have a blessed day.